You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, you know, as we get you know closer and closer, you know, the days are, you know, we're down to, I guess, what will be nine if you're going to, you know, you'll do this for your Tuesday morning commit before the 2019 NFL Draft. Um, Jeff Lloyd here, obviously. As always, is your host, Pete Smith, joining me here as we continue to bust out this draft work. Uh, you know, I put out the announcement today. Obviously, we're going to hopefully be able to stick to that and get you guys how we're going to cover the draft itself as it goes down. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, certainly, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a, uh, you know, a draft or a draft party without, you know, getting into some recording and at least chopping it up and, you know, Best part is, first round, we can have some good laughs, hopefully, if the Browns are not involved. If they do trade up, let's pray to God it does not lead to some tears or some angst or Pete losing it or popping a brain cell. But we're going to get into everything here for the daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. And always forget, I mean, always remember, never forget, uh, your hands free, whether it's in your car, in your house, uh, Alexa, Surrey, whatever. Play Locked on Browns. Have the latest episode of the show brought up for you. Um... Pete, one thing that dropped today, and this is always interesting because obviously, you know, Gil Brandt, you know, God bless him, you know, about to go to the Hall of Fame, um, but you know, there's no way Gil can really do this stuff full-time anymore. But he's about as connected as anybody could be, and uh, I guess he put out his list, which I believe is 150 deep. Um, there's interest- It's interesting, Pete, because there's some that, you know, I know you're right in tune with, we're right in tune with, and then there's some where it's just like... And... This is a tool you can use, guys, because, you know, obviously, you know, Gil still knows a ton, ton of people, you know, within front offices, within the league, where, you know, the, you can, you know, put some thought to this, and, and it is an interesting, interesting tool. Pete, I guess I'll go with this right off the bat, and this is the one that stands out, and this is kind of one that goes, ebbs and flows kind of with us, is we go through it here, Nick Bosa, Quinnen Williams, Josh Allen, Ed Oliver... Montez Sweat, TJ Hawkinson, Kyler Murray, Devin White. Um, but uh, you, you get to, you know, you get to nine, Jonah Williams. Obviously, we're a little bit of differing there. Um, we've heard, you know, everybody a little, some mixed reviews. But at 11 overall, Andre Dillard, offensive tackle, Washington State. Yeah. Um, look, I, I this sort of highlights my overall disagreement with sort of the that uh, mainstream thought process, I suppose. Uh, my list out of, let me see, out of the top, so I don't have Nick Bosa on there because he didn't doesn't have the production. I don't have Kyler Murray on there because who cares? I don't have, <laughs> I don't have Jonah Williams on there. And I, have, and I have Christian Wilkins super, super low in comparison. So, you know, it still makes him the top tackle in the draft. He'll be third on my board. 11th isn't a crime or anything. Uh, But, yeah, I look at the athleticism and I look at, you know, what it takes to sort of be an elite left tackle. He has all those tools. And we're a year removed from where Colton Miller uh, went as high as he did. And Andre Dillard is substantially better. So it's, you know, up to people to decide where where that's valued at. But uh, I think – Dillard is great. I had Colton Miller, I think, ranked, I think, about 21 last year, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, so, I mean, it's not that different, I suppose, but I, I obviously think Dillard is better than he does. Um, yeah, but, I mean, look, it's, you know, even still, like, you're seeing where Dillard is, you know, some people, you know, even possibility of a second-round selection, but, yeah, that, that's, 
I don't know, for me, just fool's gold. The guy can play, um, obviously, you know, has the resume, has the experience, um, showed well enough of an athlete. Um, you know, if you want to fault him because he spent time with Mike Leach, uh, just let that one go. Um, give me some names here this first 50, Pete, that, you know, maybe, you know, you're in disagreement with or, you know, or in sync with. How about we go with that? Well, I mean, a lot of them I just don't have on my list at all. Uh, and that's, you know, that's just a different way of doing things. Uh, like, Juwan Taylor may well be uh, a good rank at 13, but I don't have any athletic data. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going on faith. And, and I'm sure NFL teams have, have advanced film techniques where they can time these things and, and get a sense based on the tape. But, um, yeah, that's it's not going to work. Uh, Devin Bush is, you know, pretty close to where I have him. Um See, Brian Burns is low on yeah, here I agree. for me. I've got Burns way high, way higher than that. Uh, Fant, certainly above Cleveland Farrell for God's sakes. <laughs> right. I mean, Cleveland Farrell is a guy where you're going to have to big time trust what you see on tape, and, and the fact that he whooped ass on the apparently number nine prospect. Although I should note, based on this, the number nine prospect is listed at guard by Gil Brandt. Interesting, um, Pete. I think we talked about this. I think he's a center, but you know whatever. I, I, I think he will be a productive interior player. I just point think is he's point is they said interior. That's the yeah. Point. Yeah. Um, he the earliest corner he has is twenty six. Yeah. His top corner based on these rankings is uh, DeAndre Baker, uh, followed by Greedy Williams. Uh, he has Byron Murphy thirtieth. Um, the one guy that really surprises me. Uh, is Connor McGovern being as high as he is? Uh, you know, Penn State's offensive line wasn't particularly good, so I mean, maybe there's something they saw. Jeffrey Simmons, he has 32nd. Um, you know, well, that's interesting up- with McGovern because they, you know, they they put this where they like a vert of you know 34 and a half or 34 and whatever you know 34. And, I'm sorry, you know, 30, but he, there's no broad, there's no time on him. It's just interesting because I mean, you know, that you you'll value a player that much and. Usually with a guy like this, I mean, in Penn State, you know, we shouldn't shy away from the fact that these guys should be good athletes, but here's a guy from a school that produces good athletes without athletic numbers. Yeah. Uh, DK Metcalf is 16th. Um, I think that's interesting, only for the, the sake that, you know, he's being compared to such high-graded prospects, at least by some people. Uh, this seems like more of a middle ground, which is fine. Again, he's not on my list, but, you know, I understand why people like him. Um, Marquise Brown being the next receiver is interesting in 19. Uh, that one fascinates me. Although again, this is one of those where reports are out that his, you know, people are, are satisfied with his foot. Um, Irv Smith 35 blows me away. I, I still don't get it. I, I don't see what other people see, but that's, you know, that's fine. And how about 41? Yeah, Jalen Ferguson. Yeah, and this this the big me, the big folks and even Matt Miller was talking about it today. The big folks haven't gotten away from this and you know, that three cone and all because he couldn't test an indie. I I, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, and, and you go fifteen pounds heavier from senior ball where everybody it seemed like you were really starting to pick up traction for yourself, and then you go to your pro day and you show up at two seventy one, where you know if you were two fifty six, we hope everything would have been at least significantly better. Just, just a weird process for Jalen Ferguson. Right, and t- people keep connecting him to the Cowboys. Uh, but, yeah, there just seems to be a real 
real thought process that he's going to go still early second round that, you know, some people are basically saying, look, agility was never his thing anyway. Um, or they've retested him and they're more satisfied with it either way. God knows, uh, God knows he's probably running three cones in his sleep right now. Uh, 47 for Neil Keel Harry is fascinating. I'm curious how much of that is based on interviews. I've heard, you know, various things about, uh, how Nikhil Harry sort of views himself and and where that might be an issue. And then Titus Howard at 50 is fascinating, but it sort of jives with what, you know, seems to be out there that he's going to be an early second round guy, which, you know, I, him and Nasir Adderley would be the top, I believe, the top small school guys uh, at 49 and 50 in this year's class. Um, those are, you know, very small school, FCS school, not just, you know, uh, you know, not just uh, power. You know, not power five. Those are legit small schools. So yeah, those it's, it's all interesting. Um, and you know, here's look. You know, some guys we've highlighted. Um, you know, some don't necessarily fit, but some do. Obviously, Zach Allen from Boston College at 43. Guys, we've mentioned him a ton. Um, you know, versatility he could bring to this defensive front. Um, you know, I, if he gets to 49, yeah, could be really could be an interesting as a guy. Um, Debo Samuel at 44, love the player. Miles Sanders at 45. Uh, you could go back two years from now, and Miles Sanders most likely could conceivably be the best running back that came out of the 2019 draft. Should be. Should be, honestly. Uh, Chris Lindstrom, another guy out of Boston College. Uh, you know, as me and Pete described, just a mean old cuss. Um, Nikhil Harry's interesting, and um, it may be the same sources we get, Pete, but uh, yeah, there's uh, Nikhil Harry. Let's just put it this way. Nikhil Harry loves himself some Nikhil Harry. So, you know, that's, you know, there's some people I've, you know, who would know the Arizona State program who've issued those. And then you close it out, obviously, Tyus Howard. Uh, this is, you know, when you hear guys like Josh Norris say, you know, I do believe he's going to go early second round. You know, Josh, yes, I mean, some of that's what he thinks. But, you know, if he says, you know, this is what I like about so-and-so's game, but if he puts out a tweet where he says, I believe this guy is going to go this early, um, obviously that's more of probably what he's hearing. Um, so first things first, my first impression of this beat is, this is beautiful, Browns-wise. Beautiful for what we're looking for. Because you get right into, you know, this, just the the run of, I mean, the names we want should be there. Right, so, you know, first, Riley Ridley at 51. I mean, really. Um, Juan Thornhill Calvin panned out! Calvin panned out! <laughs> Yeah, Juan Thornhill, 53, Julian Love, 55, Justin Lane, 57. Uh, those are, you know, sort of the the guys you want. And then on top of that, Tristan Hill at 68 is a little rich for me, but that's interesting. Um, a lot of people and, are wondering what went down there. With the, right. You know, exactly. What went on at UCF, obviously the coaching change or whatever, you know, played more as a younger guy, didn't play as much, you know, as an older guy. You know, right. who knows? Um, the, the one thing that absolutely fascinates me as a guy who's been a big fan and suggested he's been underrated is Cody Barton is 77. That's that's a stunner. Um, I, I like I like his game. That's really surprising how early he is. But, you know, I get it. He's really, really athletic. Uh, this does seem a little high on the linebackers. Though. I mean, you got Vazan Joseph in here, Mac Wilson, Cody Barton, three linebackers in a row right there. Yeah, and one of them's good. Uh, Andy Isabella, <laughs> the receiver at 79, Emmanuel Hall at 81, Jermaine Pratt at 82, and if I scoot down here a little bit further at 87, Darnell Savage. You know, so, you know, based on this. So the dream could be. You yeah, Justin get... Lane, Darnell Savage is, is second and third round. 
Or um, you could get Justin Lane and our one of our favorites, which I believe Pete, I think you said it was was it sixty seven spaces in between? Our boy from UF, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. No, for me, Chauncey Gardner Johnson on this list is ninety third. Um, where I have him right now is ninth. So that's eighty two spots. Um, he's got Marquise Blair ahead of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And, I, and I'm guessing it's because Chauncey Gardner-Johnson primarily played slot. Um, J- Jalen Hurd at 89 is another one where you're sort of like, wow, that's... Especially you know, that's- playing one year, one year receiver. Um, obviously, we never got to confirm the athleticism, which I, I'm not doubting. I, I do believe the guy's a freak ass, you know, athlete. But one year of playing receiver, and he's you know closer to 24 years old than he is 21. Right, so... Yeah, I mean, this just keeps working out really, really well for the Browns, and it only gets you know better, honestly. And and that that could be a product of a couple of things. We don't know about medical. We don't know about interviews. We don't know, you know, some of this may be a s- small school thing. Even first if there thing, are... well, like Chauncey Gardner Johnson to me, that seems to me there's something maybe we don't know. Could be, could be. I mean, it, it may be just that he is playing slot, but. You know, that is largely, you know, a reasonable facsimile of what Jabril Peppers was playing coming out of college. So, yeah, you wonder if there is something there that, that we don't know about. Uh, injury, you know, the the scheduled test um, that's coming out. I, I don't know. And, and, and that's one of those things where, you know, we disagree and we'll see who's right. Uh, I, I, I love his game. I love his potential and his production and athleticism are fantastic. Um, and then, you know, moving on, Kalen Saunders, 104. Sure, I'm good with that. You know, if you want to let him hang out down there, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, Tyree Jackson, 108. Has no interest to the Browns, but just interesting in general. Uh, I might be right on that one. I, I think everybody's sleeping on him. If, if, if you're going to work with somebody, that's the guy you want to work with. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Johnson, 121. Way more realistic than the numbers I've seen for him. Although, yeah, everybody, everybody. Oh, maybe he's a play at forty nine. Just because he well, tested well. Yeah, I mean, there's, but you know, that's this seems based so on, high on linebackers though. Cooney's at one twenty. Yeah, based on history, Isaiah Johnson in the second round is is definitely not unprecedented. He's that big and he's that athletic. But right under him, Amani Oruye. Um, who is big and athletic himself, but also is very productive. So, you know, that's a question. Um, bunch of interior linemen here. Bobby Evans, I think, is going to be a guard. Hjalte, Froholt, uh, I hope he's drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but he's a good player. Uh, ben Banigo, down here at 127. Dylan Mitchell's a nice prospect, 130. Well, Keenan Allen light. Um, Bobby Okereke, 135. I think he's a good player. Drew Tranquil. I mean, this is 138. This is one you just don't know because he's had two Achilles uh, injuries. Um, Blake Cashman down at 142. That, to me, is about right. That is where I think... Yeah, well, I mean, look, I mean, whether or not the shoulders are healthy now, I mean, if you're a linebacker, like, I remember, you know, it goes all the way back to Bosworth. I mean, oh, but he's got the linebackers of a 75-year-old man. Um, You know, shoulders and linebacker, I mean, even if they're good now and he had a great season, that's got to cause you some hesitation. Sure. Uh, You go under there, Max Sharping, 144. Uh, That, to me, says the NFL thinks he's a guard. I think he has the athleticism to be a tackle. Tyler Raymer, 145. I think he's a really athletic prospect and is super young. Wow, Maybe there's wow, more off-field really smoke there. 
Uh, Rayquel Armstead's a nice player. Uh, and then another shocker to me, uh, it being this high, is Gardner Minshew and Easton Stick at 147. And I have to wonder if Easton Stick is this high because it's a position change thing, that he's going to be a corner, not a quarterback, but, you know, who knows. Um, he would be a hell of a fit on the Ravens, considering throwing is optional there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, those, uh, but, but all the quarterbacks really – uh, I think are higher than than I would, you know, take them. But again, we're in the position of who gives a shit. We have a quarterback and don't need these guys. But um, it would be nice if these guys would all go, you know, high so it can push other guys down. But yeah, there's a lot of interesting guys. And and one guy Gil Brandt has mentioned, which is why it shouldn't surprise me. He's so high. Drew Forbes, Southeastern Missouri State. He has him at guard. That's where I thought he was going to. At 105 is really really high. He's a very athletic. Uh, prospect that's interesting and 102 this one is a stunner too Bryce Love 102 is fascinating that would suggest he got very good news on the medical um and that 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 you know despite the fact his game seems so predicated on speed the teams are not worried that he's about to lose all of it uh another guy who's also, though, maybe like he he interviewed well where his commitment to the game because you know that was going to be something you know when we had talked about sure. this as smart yeah. as he is you know but uh, obviously you know he showed maybe that football is something he really wants to do. And Isaiah Bugs at one thirty three, I think that's high, but I think a lot of people who thought he was going to be way better than that, this is probably a good reality check. So yeah, there's a lot of really interesting stuff here. Um, I, I, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Mine is going to be significantly different, but we do have some areas where we sort of agree on some things, and um, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out, especially if this is any indication of how things are actually going to go. Um, it could be really, really good in terms of what we think the Browns should be doing, but the, if the Browns are more in line with this board, you know, which 32 boards, you're never going to be entirely in line. So, it's kind of interesting to see what this is. But again, it's just, you know, the guys we really, really want at 49, all, according to this, are in, about in that range, which would be great. Which means maybe we played the field accordingly. Um, and if the other 31 teams in the league want to go off this top 150, that'd be fantastic. Um, and with a punter at 150, go right ahead, take the, I mean, any chance, you can, any shot you can get to, you know, spend high on a punter, by all means. Get all over that because we don't really have many intentions of punting very much anyway. So go ahead for yourselves. Of course not. Um, Let's go ahead. Take care of that. Um, Guys, remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever, uh, ever expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and their uh, new features uh, daily brought up by them. Uh, Download Himalaya at your app store. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Browns. Pete, um, now today the uh, the Browns, obviously, uh, the list revealed they had their local pro day. Um, I, I know you, you combed through it, and there were a couple guys that, you know, definitely piqued your interest as far, you know, but, I mean, look, these guys, they're going to get brought in just for the sake of the fact that it is a local pro day. But th- there were some names on it that definitely drew some interest from you. So, okay, I'll mention some guys that are on here, even though I'm not interested, but I'll, the guys I, I'm interested in that came in, Andy Isabella, uh, Cody Thompson, the slot receiver from Toledo, C.J. Conrad uh, from Kentucky. Well, we had talked uh, about him. We talked about yeah. him. He had the medical issue, and all of a sudden, you know, he luckily he got cleared. So, yeah, and he tested well enough. Uh, just of interest in general, Joe Lowry did not make my list, but I can see where a team would like to to bring him in 
maybe he's an undrafted free agent, maybe he's a late round pick. Michael Jordan, you know, from Ohio State, it's a question of where you're going to put him. Uh, let's see, John Kaminsky from Charleston. Um, his product is he's a phenomenal athlete. He just did not produce. But it would not surprise me in the least if somebody you know takes a flyer on him. It could be the Browns uh, because he's got an NFL body and NFL athleticism. Uh, Draymond Jones, obviously, I, I'm not a fan, but whatever. Um, let's see, Jamal Davis, or no, that yeah, Jamal Davis, the outside linebacker, yep. pass rusher from Akron. Uh, Brandon Harris, a really really productive tackler at Bowling Green, one of those Mac guys I, I highlighted at one point. Uh, Ulysses Gilbert, I think he's a spur. I'm a fan of his. Dylan Mabin. This one's interesting. Um, played at Nordonia on the same team as Denzel Ward. I, I don't know where they, you know, sort of met. I think they were on the same year. Um, Didn't you play those to, guys, Pete? We did. And Denzel it, Ward it, did not score. He did not. And they did win, and by a substantial margin. Um, <laughs> Dylan Mabin went to Fordham. Uh, he was I, he was the corner opposite of uh, Ward. It, on some of those years, uh, he's really athletic and he's really productive and, and has some great highlights. He also is a kick returner. Uh, so he's he's a guy that might be worth keeping eye, an eye on. Uh, and then uh, they brought in two kickers, Nick Gasher from Akron and Sean uh, Nuremberger from Ohio State. Make of that what you will. Uh, I don't really care. Uh, as long as they get somebody who can make make some kicks at the closing seconds, almost the entirety of the rest of the time should be going for two or going for it anyway. But nevertheless, they did bring it. So it's thirty seven and all. Um, you know, uh, Justin Lane not there because he was at a at another visit, as I believe was the same, was the deal with Paris Campbell. I think they're both at other visits Official with other visits, teams. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so those take precedent, and it's not like I I I, I think the Browns are going to have trouble. Um, getting hold of them if they want to, but yeah, those those are thirty seven guys. It's always fascinating to keep an eye on these. Um, you know, some of this is just getting a look uh, on a guy maybe they don't know enough about. Some of this might be more meaningful, uh, and and they may end up bringing in some. I, obviously, there's a lot of people pushing the side of Draymond Jones at forty nine. I think that's super rich for me, but uh, in fact, if if the, a guy who may not go drafted and perhaps for good reason, uh, as he has a pending legal situation. Uh, the, a guy, assuming he's cleared of all of his issues, which are weird and uh, disturbing, uh, would be uh, Johanna Gaifan from Wyoming. I think he's basically what Draymond Jones is, but more athletic and was more productive, uh, granted at a smaller level of competition. But again, if he's cleared, um, then you know he might be something to take a work that, look at. And if he's not, John Dorsey might like him more. So... <laughs> He's he's a guy that's uh, worth taking a look at to me. Uh, if if assuming your you know his off field is not you know that cringeworthy. If it is, don't bother. But he is that sort of undersized uh, upfield pass rusher type as a defensive tackle. Well, it goes right along with you know uh, you know a guy who I enjoyed a lot, Carl Granderson. Who you know um, when you're saying the, the important date very for nice him, man. Yes, then, yes. The important date for him is his uh, upcoming arraignment as far as where his NFL draft prospects go. Uh, thanks, Carl Granderson. You blew it for me. You blew it for you, big guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Go somewhere and fight a hooker. He also didn't test well either, but yes. The, yeah, uh, well, there's the, that too. The alleged uh, sexual assault is a little more important right now. Uh, yeah, it's you know, it's it's you know, it's something to be frowned upon, Pete. It, it, there's no doubt, uh, doubt about that. Um, Gary Garbasic um, has a question for us here. Uh, Dorsey found Avery in round five last year. Would you trust Dorsey, Dorsey to find another linebacker gem, 
or would you rather give up a four for Lee, former first-round talent? Obviously, we've ma- mentioned Deron Lee here. Uh, guys, again, today I went around and you know I polled those who would know. The New York Jets still believe, well, at least their asking price is, is a third-round pick for Deron Lee. No. <laughs> I'm not giving up pick 80 for him. Um, a number one, you have no spot for him. A number two, he spent the last month of last season on his couch just like Pete and I did. Uh, no, it's it's too rich. So, look, if they want to end up riding this out, then go ahead. Um, you know, I do think he's a fit as far as a coverage linebacker. It's something they could use. But uh, I'm not going to pay that high of a price for it. But, uh, Pete, you know, yeah, I mean, Avery, obviously, you know, I'll let you take that part of it because, you know, obviously he was a guy that you were in love with. Right. Um, you know, Dorsey found uh, Jannard Avery. Uh, so did I. So, the, you know, ultimately, I, I, I would I would say, yes, he absolutely can fight a gem. Do, do I trust him to do it? No, I don't trust anyone to do anything. But I, I think the class is there to get guys that are athletic, productive, and, you know, available that can f- fulfill vo- various roles. Um you know, it, it's quite possible that Duran Lee is just a jackass, um, which, you know, on a one-year deal, maybe you can take a risk on a jackass and he can produce and you can let him walk. The question is, you know, and, and they certainly could revisit the idea of paying him. The problem is I don't think the Browns want to pay another linebacker. I think, at least I'm I'm assuming, that they want to be in a world where Joe Schobert's the only meaningful contract they have at linebacker and everybody else is sort of a role player. So in that sense, I'd rather use the day three pick to get guys who will be on three-year rookie deals, four-year rookie deals, whatever, uh, and, and attack it that way. Um, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer here, but again, I like the draft class at linebacker, those day three guys. Clearly, Gil Brandt likes those linebackers that I yeah, had I, I, a lot I was, earlier. I was blown um, away by the amount of the guys on that list. So, you know, again, no wrong answer. I would personally trust the draft, but that is more like more inclined to what I'm going to do anyway. And I'm also looking at this from a cost standpoint. The one obvious advantage Deron Lee has is he's played the NFL. You know, he has that experience where he's played a few years. And, you know, he can – He's not going to, you know, other than learning a new defense, uh, it's not going to be a big step for him to play in the league, whereas some of these guys may be coming from really small schools or unique defenses that may not translate as well. It may be more difficult to make that move, but uh, he's, play, again, he's, he's learning a new defense in New York anyway. So, I mean, either way, that's not going to change what, you know, the path for Deron Lee. That's going to show whether or not, you know, it's it's either make or break time for him, but with the day three guys, I mean we mentioned names. Uh, you know me, I you know Drew Tran- Tranquil blew me away. You keep bringing up the kid from Colorado. These were these are guys that'll fit and look. They're gonna play what maybe fifteen to eighteen percent of the snap feet. Right. The only situation, you know, it, look, it, it, unless Kirk should go down, obviously that, you know, there's there's been a risk for that. But I, I think the Browns are counting on a full season out of him. But, you know, other than that, you, you might be looking for a, you know, a specific guy who can come in and play Sam so that you don't have a situation where or you at least have competition for Jannard Avery that uh, maybe they can find somebody who's better in that space. But, yeah, I, I, I could totally see the Browns t- drafting two or signing or drafting one and then signing a couple undrafted free agents to see if they can find some. You know, in that respect, I, I do think the Browns will make an attractive destination. You know, they may be short on roster spots, but they do have some really nice opportunities at certain spots, that being one of them. Well, I mean, you go back to the Michael Kendrick signing last year, which would have certainly helped up. It would have certainly helped out, um, except for the whole, you know, stupid – 
insider trading thing, which you know you might want to mention that to people. Um, but you could look for that kind of signing, and you know Kendrick's up. He, he would have been the probably number two linebacker on this team last year. Uh, so you know there is well, that. like what's his face? Uh, I think he cost too much money, but uh, the dude from who got released by Washington is still sitting out there. Who's a really good athlete? Zach uh, Zach Brown. He's a really good linebacker. I don't know why he's still sitting out there, but. You know, if, if the Browns sign some extensions and move some money around, maybe they can make room for him. Although, you know, certainly he probably would want to go somewhere he'd obviously start. I don't know if the Browns can offer that, but he is a good player. Yeah, I mean, so there's still options there at the linebacker. And, and look, with the eight picks, and we'll get to, you know, there's obviously more questions here, you know, directed at that. Um, guys, iTunes rating reviews. Um they're big for the show. They help with the show's growth, um, help it, you know, get recognition. Um, please just, uh, you know, while you're doing it, man, if you're listening on iTunes, do me a favor, drop a quick five-star, drop a quick sentence. It means a lot. It does help the show. And thank you so very much. So we got a couple more here, listener questions, so we'll get to those. Um, all right, as we open it up, of course, always sticky on the uh, Twitter handle. Um, well, this is uh, this is always fun, Pete, so we can do this part. Um Andy Piccioni, I pray I'm pronouncing it right. Name some prospects, both good and bad, that you guys have been wrong about in the past. Okay, you'll have to field this one as I've never been wrong. <laughs> Peter's never missed, ever. Never. Um, I had Kevin Johnson very high. He went very high. He did not perform. Um, Odell Beckham is always a win for me. Tariq Cohen was a huge win for me um if you could get away from the size aspect of him and just understand that if you gave him a role you know where you were just going to let him find a way to open space use the receiving ability that he has <sighs> misses um he all got about an hour or so oh there's been plenty sure um kevin johnson actually ends up probably right right pete if i loved him and he ended up going around one he probably does end up as a miss right uh, just but I mean, it's one of those where you get in that 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 shaky situation of you know, injuries. if not for injuries, if we can turn injuries off, maybe maybe we can get a better indicator of of what he might be. Uh, for me, Barkevius Mingo, I loved him. Uh, I, I you know, not only did I love the player, I, I loved the person who was uh, just seemed like a genuinely good dude. Uh, maybe you know, that, Corey, maybe that was part of the problem. <laughs> Corey Corey Coleman, obviously, people. Will oh, up. there we go. There's one for both. Um, and, you know, based on the information we had on the data, he's great. Um, you know, as much as I'd love to be able to interview all these players and get a feel for them, unfortunately, that's not an option. And that's, you know, that's the issue that appears to have held him back. Now, he can still turn around and have a very nice career, but it's unlikely he's ever going to live up to the draft the Gi- Well, the Giants need him. They have nobody else to do what Corey Coleman can do. Right. I mean, it's... They've got him. They've got Sterling Shepard. They've got some interesting weapons. They've got a very interesting offensive setup right now that could be explosive and entertaining and and and, uh, and uh, potentially potent, I suppose. But uh, they are also sort of feeling themselves out and trying to figure out where they're at. Um, let's see if I cash in on players. Uh, uh, look, he went exactly where I predicted him to go. Larry Ogunjobi. I picked him to go 65th. Yep. He went 65th. He's great. Um, Jannard Avery. Uh, you know he he he's obviously been quite good. Um, Baker Mayfield. Uh, you were early, you were. I mean that might have been the first time we sat down together, and you were all over that from jump. And I will give you that. And it was, and as more of and more of it went on, it was just you know he was able to do everything you asked a quarterback to do. And I remember Pete when you you were down in Mobile, 
and obviously he was the late arrival with the whole thing with and obviously his mother being ill and you know he was just trying to find a way to you know book in you know making a senior bowl appearance which he technically did not need to do and i was like pete just tell me it's six feet just tell me the hands are more than nine and a half and uh, and i'll let you slide and i will let you run with this and anyway, I, I, I remember i believe it was ben albright who gave us the goods and it was north of six feet the hands were nine you know nine and a half um and you know that was it i mean and he went down to the senior bowl and it, he literally looked like like the NFL guy who came down and they're like, oh, we're short a guy today. Could you work out? Thanks for stopping by to meet all the kids. Could you work out a little bit? And from there, he just, I mean, it just took off in the crew. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly there's a, a good list of, of guys I've, I've hit on, and there's certainly a list of guys that I, I thought were going to pan out. You know, Brett's missing another one I really like. Uh, another another kid I really like, uh, all the best from people like to bring him up. Uh, everybody since then, I mean, a car I had, Carson Wentz. I had. I had. I, I. I. In my opinion, I still think the Raiders should have taken him in round one. He like he was the one guy that was like, I don't care how bad. And literally, he said it. I will go be the Raiders quarterback. I want to go. Be, like everybody else was, oh, the Raiders. I mean, everybody wanted to run from it. Derek Carr embraced it and wanted to be part of fixing what was that mess. And well, let's see. I'm still not convinced the Bengals don't win the Super Bowl if they had taken him that year. Um. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's any number of guys. People are better at finding those things for me than uh, I am. Uh, they you do know. love to do that, don't they? But, yeah, you know, we keep hitting on guys uh, based on profiles and stuff, uh, and that's why, you know, people follow along. So it's fine if people want to poke at that stuff. I, I got no issue with it. Well, I mean, look, I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. But, um, look, I mean, the thing is now, guys, there is just so much information out there. There is just so many ways to you know, evaluate. I mean, you know, you and, and, it's, it, and even for guys like Pete and me, you have everything. You have the athletic numbers. Look, the tape has always been something you've been able to do. You've always been able to watch. Um, and this was actually one that was funny. You know, when I wanted to mention Gil Brandt earlier, I was you know talk about a guy who studied film. Actually, when it was film. Um, but no, this there's just so much there now, and there's so many guys, and even the guys from you know the guys who cover draft prospects from the fantasy perspective they bring some ridiculously good and i don't take anything don't take anything as a bible you take it and use it and you would either confirm something that you already thought or you know what if you've you've gotten to athletic negative question marks and now you've gotten three four resources that have maybe you know confirmed what you thought use it there is the information is readily available um, the one thing we don't get, and you know, even Pete, you know, and look, I, I've done these interviews with these guys on the show, but yeah, these are the interviews they can do. And but we're also not sitting them down and saying, you want to know what, dude? It was second and nine against you know uh, UCF, and uh, you just absolutely dogged it and cost your team a touchdown. You, like you, you can't really do that in those type of settings. Um, no. But meanwhile, and, and and Caleb Brantley was never talking to me anyway, so. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. Because that, that, that situation, I guarantee, came up. Yes, but see, and that's and that's what, you know. That's medical. The, you don't get medical. No, so, well, like, Harold well, Landry. I, it seems like everybody's, been, yeah, but I mean, that was the thing. Harold Landry, Harold Landry, nobody has told us yet why he slid to, you know, what was it, 40 and change or whatever. We legend, still don't know the reason. issues with his back and knees. Well, I mean, I mean, if he had said maybe there was a question about the lower parts, yeah, I mean, that part we knew, I mean, the back, whatever, but that's the stuff that's just not 
you know, always given freely up, which is, you know, makes it's it... It's so good. Yeah, I, I think it's looked out pretty well and uh, still looks pretty goddamn athletic, Pete. And uh, this gives us one to close with here. And actually, this one isn't a bad one here. All right, open up, damn it. All right, and this would be from... Goobs Cleveland. I know Goobs. He actually, you know, I, he, he tweets with me a lot. Um, as opposed to a strict mock draft order, if the Browns were to just basically go for what they viewed was, you know, uh, I guess you know, the the term to be used would be, you know, va- uh, would be, you know, substance over, uh, a, a, a strong four picks as opposed to just an eight pick of players. There's a phrase here that's escaping my head. And it's pissing me off. Um, so, what would be here? And obviously, you know, we got Gilbrands. You know, 150 to use. What would be the best avenue, Pete, to maybe just walk out of here with the four best fits of what Cleveland needs? Even if you got to move up or a little bit or whatever, or end up, you know, trading away a seventh round pick that we're never probably going to make your roster anyway. What would be the four names? So, I guess if you want to say this, let's go. You know, take a guy in two, three, four, five, and say that's it. We're done. Uh, so based on that, let's say, uh, let's go Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Julian Love, Kalen Saunders, and Max Sharping. Well, I mean, the DBs, obviously, guys, you know any, you know, like, variation of. Um, if you wanted to take the defensive tackle a little later, obviously, you know, uh, Michael Dogba is a guy we love. Um... Uh, obviously, Oli Uda could fall into your, you know, into this where if you're going, you know, you're going, you know, you know, you don't want. Is he even in that list? That's... I don't think he was on his list. Let's find out. There were, yeah, there were other tackles on there, but we will go through it. But um, and those would be the names. Obviously, you know, the defensive backs. Look, I mean, forty-nine and eighty. Look, I mean, if there's a possibility, you know, I'd be stunned if Chauncey Gardner Johnson was there at, um. Yeah, obviously at 80. Um, Darnell Savage put out a tweet today where he was kind of like putting his resume out, which makes me think that maybe Darnell Savage isn't getting the love he probably deserves, which seems weird. Um, Uber athlete, you know, I mean, he's able to, you know, do pretty much any role you ask. Um, maybe the fact that he's versatile is something that's holding him back, but when a player puts out this tweet, yeah, a tweet like that, and if you guys want to check it out, he did put it out. It was, you know, whether it was nickelback, cornerback, safety, whatever, and he was basically giving you his resume that he could do it all. When a player puts that out 10 days before the draft, it definitely causes you to, you know, raise a, you know, basically raise an eyebrow because maybe, he, you know, what he's hearing from, you know, his camp obviously is not in tune with what we think because obviously a fantastic player. Pete, sounds like he got a deferment there. Yeah, Uliudo not on the top 150. So that would be fantastic if they could grab him, you know, in that 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 late that uh, midday three area. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's another interesting one. So, but I mean, that's the the approach there. I guess would be if it's four Pete. I guess you want to go what two DBs, linebacker, offensive tackle. Either that or two DBs. You got to get a defensive tackle. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So I mean, those are the but those are the big areas of issue. Uh, secondary, offensive line, defensive line, or, uh, offensive tackle, defensive tackle, uh, linebacker. Uh, yeah, that's 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 the big stuff. I would just say this, Goobs, if you wanted to phrase this question just a little bit better, and I'm just busting chops. If it was five. That would have been the perfect scenario where you could have gotten, you know, two defensive backs. You could have gotten a defensive tackle. You could have gotten a linebacker. Um, you could 
you know, I mean, I mean, they can still say Carl Davis. They can still try to. <laughs> they can, and actually, we'll get to this now. Pete Alonzo Highsmith. I guess we know <laughs> how Chad how Chad Chad Thomas got into the room. I guess we know how Chad Thomas is a Cleveland Brown. Uh yeah. It certainly it sounds like you know Alonzo Highsmith. You know, and the thing of it is, like, if this doesn't work, I think there will be plenty of people who simply forget this was ever said. But I do think Alonzo Highsmith is sort of, I don't want to say he's putting his professional reputation online. I think he's trying like hell to light a fire under the kid. Yes. I think a lot of this is trying to make sure that, uh, he is working as hard as they need him to. Um, obviously look guys, if you don't remember, and obviously a lot of people who listen, Alonzo Highsmith was, a member of the U. Pete probably doesn't remember it. I'm sure he doesn't remember it. I do. No, he's not, he was at the 50-yard line when he when he, he used to cut a number of colorful uh, colorful. Uh, oh yes, words. he was a, he was a fine young man, always with a hand to extend and you know preach the word of God as he was telling you. With was that, it was Notre Dame. He, the Notre Dame game wasn't it? Where he comes? Was it? It was either it was either the Catholics versus convicts game or, or one of the other big 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 games. Uh, and he, he used colorful language to uh, make sure they knew that uh, he didn't think they were good enough to beat him as he was a captain uh, for the coin toss. And I'm fairly sure it was the Catholics versus Convicts game. Yes. Uh, and by the way, one of the greatest uh, 30 for 30s that ever went down. And seen that yeah, wonderful. And seen that are, you talk, wait a minute, are you talking about the T-shirt one or the uh, or, or the, uh, the U? Oh, no, no, the T-shirt one. Oh, you like the T-shirt one. Okay. Oh, no, it was no, well, I mean, just because, I mean, look, Pete, I'm a little older. That that game was, oh, God. I get it, but they, I mean, they also had the 30 for 30 that was the U. And then oh, the those U, were good. I'll tell you right now. And then the really awful one that was the U part two. Yes, part that two. did not need a second, that did not need a second version. The U part one, and even as a Florida good. State fan, I sat there and just was like, and look, I, I admit it, dude, it, that was, it was, it, you know, it was, that was a huge, huge part of college football where it was dominated. And But now, see, the problem is is you've got Ohio State and you've got everybody else ducking into Florida and stealing those players. But when it was Florida, Florida State, and Miami. Oh, and- I was wrong. It was the Fumbaruski game. He called, uh, oh, he that's called right. Bosworth a bitch. <laughs> Bosworth didn't play. I, I, he said, and I quote, I ain't scared of bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a little bit more like it. But Alonzo Highsmith obviously is going to stick up for the guy who, uh, you know, he put his neck out for. So, um, actually, well, here's one late one. We'll get with this. Um, Rogers, you had a question in last night. What are the biggest weaknesses of some of our draft favorites, Pete? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, AKA Kalen Saunders, Gaines, a guy you love, Michael Dogbay, Lane, Howard, Oliuda, Snell, Thornhill. Yeah, I mean, we can go into this. Go ahead, Pete. You don't have to take all of them, but go ahead, give a couple. I can knock him out. Uh, Caleb Saunders, <laughs> run defense. Oliudo, not polished at all. Obviously, very raw. Uh, Greg Gaines can't work down the line for shit. Michael Dogbay, you know, the question is, does he have enough ass? Justin Lane, yep. um, you know, sink the hips, go it, forward. As has he done enough to warrant being, you know, going as high as it would suggest? Um, I'm assuming that Titus Howard agility yes. is the question mark. Um, Snell. Didn't test well enough. Snell. Um, oh, Thorn- see, now you're going to run with it. All right. Okay. <laughs> and then Thorn- oh, I see Thorn- you like that one now. 
Yeah, it's it's look, I, I have no problem. I look, if he's good, I hope he owns it. I hope he like like basically, you know, obviously it's a little more flattering to be known as the muscle hamster, but you come up with something I like, tell you what, dude, come- if right now if his Twitter handle is you know, Mr. Snell, Mr. Snell, you later. Uh, if it does work out for him, oh, I, I have—I mean, I could see some sort of SpongeBob meme or whatever, where you know, what the hell was SpongeBob's buddy? Pa- oh God! But you know, I, I could see—he's all about marketing. Benny Snell's not an idiot; he's a smart dude. So if he can put put a descriptor in front of Snell, the snail, he could be yes. the something snail. I, I think it'd be great. Throw a number twenty six on the Thornhill, side of that sucker. Does he have a weakness? That is a good question. Hmm. Um, you can it, people will will criticize him for missed tackles, um, you know. And if you make as many as he does, I suppose you get a few. But yeah, that's the bit. That's the the criticism I've seen with him is is just missed tackles. Well, I, I you know, and this is like no disrespect because obviously we love one one Thornhill is, you know, could you have seven scouts in your war room that all say, and you could have two guys say, you want to know what he can play in the corner. Or somebody else say, you know what, he'd be a great free safety. Or somebody else, maybe the fact that he's so versatile, and this sometimes happens, which is kind of dumb, because the way the injury rate and obviously roster flexibility, you could have some guys that view the fact that, you know, he plays multiple positions, the old theory, you know, which is weird. I mean, you know, the old of, you know, uh, master of all, but, you know, I mean, uh, you know, jack of all trades, but master of none. I mean, that would maybe be, but look, I mean, I think the athletic testing shot it out the box, and I'll tell you right now, if you still wanted to play Juan Thornhill at cornerback, I think he proved that that's not going to be issue, especially today where we got um, Kent Plotty's, uh Raz, where Pete, he ran a sub-7-3 cone. If yeah. you wanted to put him back at corner, I mean, you could. I, you know, Maybe Seattle would be like the place to do that, but uh, obviously we would have a home for him. Well, I, you know, you, you could do what you do with Demarius Randall, and it becomes a matchup situation. Is there a ma- is there a situation where Demarius Randall can could be good at corner? Yes, they did it last year. Is there a situation where Juan Thornhill could be useful at corner? I mean, maybe, but again, you know, I, I, you know the the way I view it, and again, if the Browns do it differently, they're wrong. Um, that if <laughs> if you're the way I view Juan Thornhill is, you're basically taking a third corner who's on the field as a strong safety. Um, for to take to take away the pass, you're not you're not there to have him be a ball busting safety, uh, and f- at least for the moment, you've got a guy uh, that can come and do that as a box guy. And right now, Juan Thornhill can just be a pure coverage guy. You're up 14 points, you're up seven points, you're trying to close out a game. Pe- teams trying to throw the ball on you. Juan Thornhill's there to hopefully sh- shut it down. Uh, but uh, and you hope he grows into a full surface safety. But that. You know that's the thought process I have with it, uh, and, and maybe that's another issue you can have with him is he's not like, uh, you know, a two hundred and ten pound dude, but he is two hundred and something, and he's six foot. Uh, he uh, with remarkable ball skills. So yeah, I'm, I'm I uh, I think he's a special special player, and he's about to have a, a good amount of money. So if you want him to be two ten, there's really no reason that he can't eat his way to two ten, and with the uh, the athleticism and the agility. He's not going to lose much by putting on what is it, you know, five to seven pounds, whatever. That is what it is. Um, so there you have it, guys. Um, you know, we put you, uh, you know, a, a, another good show out here. Uh, obviously with the the Gilbrandt list, um, which you know, obviously you can put some teeth to because you know Gil talks to a ton of people, so I'm sure there's some influence in that way in that regard. Um, we got to the Browns local pro day, some listener questions. We were able to get to you know a, a bunch of stuff involved here. 
Um, Pete's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Obviously, you're going to start getting uh, you know some finalized stuff dropping here shortly. Um, so make sure you check it out. Read it over there. Uh, make sure you follow at underscore Pete Smith underscore the Lockdown Browns Twitter account. We always keep it followed back, as you guys know. Um, best way for you guys to interact with me, for especially for those who are you know a little bit Twitter shy, which is fine. Just you know shoot any DMs over there. Uh, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, it's been a fun ride, guys. Here, uh, you know, make sure you know wherever you are, you know, listen to the podcast. Man, you know, make sure you're following, subscribed. Uh, you know, leave ratings, reviews. Uh, that's appreciative and obviously always helpful. And I, you know, I do thank you guys for all of that. Um, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.